0: The date is September 13th, 2011. You are listening once again to Free Admission at FreeAdmissionFR.com, also on iTunes. After a month hiatus of sorts, I guess you could say, I am Ben Turpin. I am joined online this time by two fine gentlemen. First, out of now making his face in Orlando, Florida, J.P. Nichols. J.P., how are you doing?
1: Doing good, thank you. Actually, uh, I mean, i note of that, fresh off some uh, fun lightning crossing, which we will be Getting into a bit later, and then uh, fresh off uh, a return to the Northeast for Ring of Honor Chicago this weekend, which we will also be getting into today. And we are also joined on online at this time by, on Twitter, at POD Johnny Ringo,
0: Mark Smith. Mark, how are you doing? Doing very good, Ben. It's good to be on with you guys again. And as JP alluded to, we will discuss TNA No Surrender from this past weekend. This weekend's coming. Uh, return of Ring of Honor to iPay-Per-View, Get the Honor 9, uh, also the Shakar show, which they're running a double shot, but we'll talk mostly about the Manhattan show the following day. Also, we'll get into PWG and whatever else comes our way. But fresh off a line crossing, as you said, JP, I saw most of the show. I know Mark didn't, but uh, tell us about your experience in the Impact Zone 4, No Surrender.
1: Well, I will always say that... Um, I always do enjoy, enjoy attending TNA shows and not because of the product itself but just usually just due to the atmosphere and the regularly fun time that I have with uh, my friends that also go. But this show, I mean, it wasn't the worst show that they have done. I mean, because obviously TNA 2011 pay-per-views uh, minus Destination X haven't exactly been uh, setting the world on fire or even close to that. But this show was just Boring, like, beyond belief. I mean, like, the work, for the most part, was not bad at all. I mean, but it wasn't good either. I mean, uh, there was, like, a couple matches that I thought were pretty enjoyable. But top to bottom, I just saw that this show is just more boring than anything. And the word I would use to describe it completely is filler, which uh, is typically the, typically the standard for most uh, TNA pay-per-views that aren't named uh, Lockdown or Bound for Glory at this point. You know, and I know,
0: Mark. You didn't see this show, but you could probably touch on this as well. Is that, you know, you have so many filler shows, or you know, the idea of a B show to lead to like a bigger A show. And I'm I'm fine with that. That's a fine formula and philosophy. But with TNA, it just seems like at this point, as you said, JP, unless it's locked down or bound for glory, every show is a B show and it's complete filler. And for people that have to pay, you know, thirty four ninety nine for this, and just nothing was like. I mean, there was, like, one good match. Nothing was, you know, actively bad, but everything else is just, as noted, complete
1: filler. I mean, like, uh, a couple things that sort of struck me weirdly in terms of mainly the booking of this show. I mean, uh, there's already been plenty of notes about how the uh, they had essentially three exact endings in the same match, but, like... um Obviously, I mean, the one of the bigger stories coming out of the show was Robert Roode winning the Balfour Glory series to now go on to face Kurt Angle at uh, Balfour Glory. And I was just like, sort of thinking, because I know I made a couple of posts throughout the night where it was just like, so we're a wrestling company and we do not have AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels on this show at all in any capacity. Has there been any explanation
0: yeah. as to why they were not on the show? Nope.
1: None. Zero. <laughs> I mean, and it's just like I was just thinking to myself, it's like, uh, you know, when two plainly obvious matches that they're going to do for Bound for Glory are AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels uh, and also Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn, why not do a tag match on this show with AJ and Rob Van Dam versus Daniels and Jerry Lynn? But uh, bringing logic into the equation is not exactly the uh, smart point when it comes to TNA, now known as Impact Wrestling. I mean. Uh, also. Go ahead. Uh, oh, I was just gonna say, and then also, it's just like, why did we even need a world title match on this show, considering sure. that we just saw both uh, title matches for free on TV, and not to mention both those uh, matches are done to death at this point this year. I mean, it's just completely pointless, more than anything. Even though the work in that match was at least there, just absolutely no one cared.
0: Now, they did the switch back to winter. What was the point of giving Mickey James the title like two weeks ago when they were in Huntsville on Impact?
1: I suppose you could say it's like one of those things where it's just like they're trying to encourage people that uh, could potentially attend the shows on the road to say, oh, anything can happen here. We just had a title change on the show, Uh, even though to us titles mean nothing. Here, you can come see one change potentially. It's sort of like... uh, when, I uh, believe last year, they had Amazing Red win the exhibition title the house show, and then Jay Lethal won it right back, so Red didn't even get to be on TV with a title. It's just, again, like one of those things where it's just like, oh, anything can happen. Come to our shows. Uh, even though, even though uh, a good portion of them draw pretty poorly. I mean, they have some, as of late, that draw pretty well, at least. And I actually just realized that all the titles are actually on the line on this show, so I'm not sure if you could
0: technically de- define this as a B-show when all your titles are on the line. And in the case of Death Before Dishonor, which we will be looking at, no titles are on the line. Um, I'm sure that will come up again at that point. But, um, oh, but
1: you, you can't forget, though, that you have the Knockouts Tag Titles and the TV title. Both of those weren't on the line.
0: <laughs> Who's the TV champion? The <laughs> TV? Eric
1: Young, my, ta- my friend.
0: Well, I, I, it wouldn't be appropriate if we forgot to mention Eric Young with you on the line, of course, and discussing TNA.
1: <laughs> in fact, uh, he won it back in May from Gunner, and I do not he think probably he hasn't it of... once. <laughs> no, the, the the on TV or on pay-per-view or in any capacity. Now there were a couple of highlights
0: of the show that I think we could probably briefly mentioned before we move on, I think in the opening segment, they did a commemorative to 9-11, which focused mainly on two people, Rosita and Kurt Angle, both who are the top heels in the company. They then proceeded to have... It's Rosita, right? Or is it Sarita? Which one's which? Rosita. Oh, no, it's
1: right? Rosita. Rosita. Okay.
0: And later in the show, which I didn't see this, but they had her cut a like a total face promo and talking about her background and all this stuff, and it was like one of the best face promos that is like, ever within the history of TNA. And then she was back to a heel, uh, well on this show as well, but also on Impact, which you were at tonight for the taping.
1: Right, right. I mean, it, um, I think they just sort of feel that. I guess. I mean, uh, well, I mean, they don't feel that anything that they do comes across as real, and that all people just perceive everything that they do as just being storyline. So they think that it's okay to just have one of their characters that they're supposed to be portraying as one of the top heels, it's just completely okay for them to just be like, Oh, uh, well, I'm going to be uh, a face now. I'm this is supposed to be real. And, you know, it's not going to make a difference whatsoever because, you know, if they keep doing stuff like that over and over again, you know, it, <laughs> no one will buy into anything that they do. And it's, I mean, it, it's just not going to draw anything for Rosita, even though, um, it, it it would be a good idea essentially to turn her into a sympathetic baby face, I suppose, although that type of thing obviously is not done well in the past as seen through Jesse Neal. But um the problem itself I actually thought I mean like it was really hard felt but it was just I remember uh saying to a couple people that I was with, it was just like it's the type of thing that you should put on the internet for those people that, you know, can perceive it as being a real thing as opposed to mixing it in with character work, but with them, I mean, they just don't seem to care about anything, so they don't think it really makes a difference. And then the highlight match of the show, at least for
0: me, was Austin Aries winning the X Division title over Brian Kendrick. Uh, there was one specific pot, uh, spot with a dragon suplex that uh, I know... What, what was the, what exactly happened? Oh, a <laughs> uh,
1: tiger suplex, actually, yes. of... Uh, um, uh, Tiger suplex happened. I was just seeing the setup for it, and then I proceeded to run around the impact zone. Legit shoot. (laughs) I mean, uh, that happens every now and then. There's just, like, one occasional move that someone may bust out. I think the last time something like that happened was when Doug Williams hit a chaos theory on the floor on AJ uh, in December of last year, and I ran all around the building in excitement.
2: (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, said that I thought this was still
0: very much like your like this would be considered a very good impact, you know, uh, X Division title match. I still didn't think it was up to the level of the potential that they could have. But I guess, and we've talked about Brian Kendrick, and you maybe touch on it in you know his recent track record. Maybe this was a little above expectation, but Kendrick certainly hasn't been the guy that even was you know the guy that we know as Spanky even like a year two years ago.
1: Right, right. I mean, like uh, at the very least, you know, when you're in there with Austin Aries, who is all around at least currently, in my opinion, one of the top workers anywhere. And it's just sort of a shame because he's stuck in TNA, which you know, no one can really see just how good he is. I suppose, but um, when you when you're in there with him, you know, he can you know just turn a just about any match into something well worth watching. And while this wasn't up to par with, you know, past contests that they've had, I know I've referenced their Ring of Honor title match from June of 2005, which was actually the first one I saw live ever, which I always thought was incredibly underrated. This was still a very good match, and it's uh, definitely moving the right direction for the exhibition of Aries win, although Knowing them, I mean, they could just, well, I mean, the term now has just been to uh, TNA, whatever booking plans that they have
0: in the future. And then I guess moving forward, Bobby Roode did win the Bound for Glory series, a tiebreaker match over Bully Ray after both already wrestling a previous match in the night. So that's, it's a Bobby Roode and Kurt Angle, I assume, for Bound for Glory. Uh, And you were at the Impact tapings tonight. Uh, What else, I guess, are they hinting going forward and what might we see at Bound for Glory?
1: Um. Well, essentially, uh, spoiler warning for those of you that, well, I suppose at this point that may not have the uh, perception to tell what they are going with for this one, Sting and Hulk Hogan is essentially confirmed for Bound for Glory. Um, you got Kurt Angle and Robert Roode, as already mentioned. Um, Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn seems to be, you know, uh, almost 100%. Bully Ray and Mr. Anderson, more than likely. Um... Potentially AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels again, I would imagine with some type of gimmick thrown onto it. Maybe it's another 30-minute Iron Man, like what they've done in the past. Um, I know that Crimson and Samoa Joe seems to be something that they've been throwing around, but, you know, very well could not happen. And one thing that I also do fully 100% expect is... uh, Unfortunately, Winter probably losing the title again, although she very well can lose it on impact before then. But regardless, uh, uh, leaving Philadelphia, Velvet Sky will be winning the knockouts title and likely shedding many, many tears in the process.
0: And moving forward, Ring of Honor this weekend will present Death Before the Center Nine in the Manhattan Center, uh, of the, Grand, the Grand Ballroom of the Manhattan Center. This, um, and Mark, you, you are still with us, right? Yes, of course. Just making sure, okay, we're going to get to you. Uh, The Death Before Dishonor 9 card, to say the least, not the strongest effort uh, that Ring of Honor has put on with iPay View.
3: That's absolutely true. Like, uh, you were talking about B-shows and you and I talking before, we even said that this was probably a C-show for an A-plus market. And it's really just recycled and matches that are are semi-fresh, but just not that interesting, honestly. Like, uh, yeah char Charlie Haas and Michael Elgin going at it, which will be a fun match, but the time will only go ten minutes, and it's very hard to believe that Elgin's gonna get you know too much time to shine and uh, then you have Bennett and Benjamin, which is gonna be a, in my opinion an absolute travesty, but you know that's up, up for debate, but uh, my main problem with it, you know latter were excluded is that uh You have Roddy and Edwards going at it in a ringmaster challenge, which is a two out of three falls with a different situation for all of them. And, uh, you know, no matter how you dress it up, it's still the same stuff that you keep on getting. And it's obviously a filler show to get to, you know, get to television tapings where people are finally going to see what happened a few months ago. And, you know, they're going to build from there. And they have, you know, a, a whole bunch of shows lined up already from this point on. But, you know, this is just a, a place filler, really. It, there's nothing to it, and uh, it, it'll be a good show, probably worth $15, but I've always contested that saying it's a good show, saying it's worth $15 doesn't mean that you're getting your money's worth out of Ring of Honor. Like, is it going to be a good Ring of Honor show? Is it up to your expectations? And to me, uh, I think just kind of saved the course. And, you know, you can't really fault them if that's where they, they want to move forward in the future off of television tapings. but... uh you know, as a show on itself, I don't
0: find it, you know, too interesting, really. And, JP, Ladder War 3 will be, which is the headline of the show, the Briscoes against the All Night Express. Uh, the winner will receive a shot at Glory by Honor, which is in November, in Chicago Ridge. Did they need to do Ladder War? And who do you think will and should win this match? And how do you see the entire tag title picture playing out from here forward?
1: Um... I honestly, I mean, like, the moment the feud started, I sort of had this envisioning, as opposed of it coming down to Ladder War 3. I mean, uh, with the uh, way that um, their shows have been, like, they haven't run as many shows. So, like, a feud such as that required the first Ladder War and Steen and Generico versus uh, the Briscoes, where they had uh, a whole ton of matches, whereas All Night Express and Briscoes, I think, um, have had about four. If you want to include the TV thing, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure this <laughs> Yeah, that's about right. Um, I feel like if they uh, if they really wanted to, they may have been able to uh, attempt to spread this feud out a bit more in terms of like breaking it up into singles matches again, but I feel like that this match is honestly going to really, really deliver at the very least. Uh, I mean, because it's just really all about a breakout performance, even though I personally feel Red Titus broke out already back in April, but um it's all gonna be about the spotlight's gonna be on them and what it is, what type of wild stuff that they do throughout the match. Um I personally feel that the Briscoes will probably win just based off the uh, development the developments on the TV tapings. but um I personally think that On Express should win just based on the fact that it would help give them a bit more credibility and a bigger hope for me personally with them uh, potentially taking the tag titles at the final battle. I mean, that's just what I've been wanting for months now at this point, just because I feel like the belts should be taken off the World's Greatest Tag Team relatively soon, just because they have had them for now five months and just feel sort of stagnant at this point. And having a fresh tag team like All Night Express with the tag titles would certainly be a step in the right direction and to say the least, their performances have only gotten lessened with
0: really every show since they've won the tag titles. I thought the Wolves match was extremely overrated. I thought the O'Reilly and Cole match was a lot more appropriate. Then you had the match that never got out of first gear with the Briscoes in Toronto. They were the least over, and I think, probably had the weakest performance in the four-way elimination match. Then they really hit rock bottom with the last double shot, which we've talked about um, on one of our previous shows. Um, So... And then I guess on this weekend, and then they had, I guess, the fourth match with the Kings, which uh, a lot of people have kind of stated is the weakest of the four of those matches, which I don't think is surprising to a lot of people. Um, They're going to be on singles matches on this show. We'll talk about that. Mark, you think the All Night Express have to win this match?
3: Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I think that we've already gotten All Night Express proving they can hang with the Briscoes, proving that they can be a viable contender for the tag titles. And I think that if you just say, oh, well, you know, Kenny King and left uh, had to put up a really good fight, and once again, uh, the Briscoes, you know, they're just, they're just a better team, that you, have, you just relegated the All Night Express as always being not as good as the Briscoes. And if the Briscoes aren't going to be the tag champions, then that, you know, that always will say that, okay, well, you can't really give All Night Express a shot over them uh, until they beat the Briscoes and prove themselves, and you know maybe the plan is for the Briscoes to face you know uh, wrestling's greatest tag team or world's greatest tag team, but uh, I, and then I understand that, that that Briscoes would have to win that match just to get to television. But um, I think that for all that expected sake, and I really think for for Rhett and Kenny as a whole, that this win would be so huge in New York City, it would it would be. You know, it would set the stands on fire, and it, it would just be that that moment that makes this match more special than than what it is, because it really kind of came out of nowhere. It was almost a viral thing where you had you know all the wrestlers tweeting about it, and they wanted it, and then it was going to be a grudge match, and this, that, the other thing, and then it finally was announced, and it kind of just didn't really matter too much because it just it signified this was going to be the end of it, and. If it's going to be the end, I, I
0: think they have to win. The Ringmaster Challenge, two out of three falls match. Now, when they initially announced this, I know a lot of people were kind of hard on the idea of it, and I really was like kind of indifferent. But I'm really not sure what the point of doing a 15-minute Iron Man as, as the third fall is. Can either of you explain this?
1: Um, I suppose it's just sort of one of those ways. I mean, uh, I actually still have yet to see the. Uh, chicago match between uh roger kennedy which i still have heard is uh uh largely better than their manhattan mayhem one which i did like a lot but i suppose it's just one of those things that they're trying to do to attempt to change it up a bit in a sense i mean even though essentially when both of them are wrestling like near 20 minute matches anyway it doesn't really do much of that it would be like more appropriate if this were, I mean, if they wanted to attempt to change it up, it would be more appropriate to have, like, a brawl match between the two, but obviously you can't do that because of Ladder War 3. So, I mean, it's at least a semi-interesting gimmick to me, at least, although I think it would be more appropriate to just do, like, a uh, submission uh, Iron Man or just, like, a flat-out Iron Man as opposed to making it a bit more contrived like this.
0: This as well is going to be a number one contenders match, I guess. And the winner will be the guy to get the next shot at Davey Richards, who isn't on that show. Mark, talk about, are you one of these people? I mean, I guess a lot of people just are openly ripping ROH just because it's kind of the fun thing to do. Do you really feel like Davey Richards not being on this show hurts it? Uh, Eddie Edwards is obviously going to win and it's going to set up the match at final battle. Talk about those things.
3: Well, to go back just a second about the uh, the fifteen minute Man, I think the only reason it would be there, and this is something I, I don't I don't really want to see, is that uh, it, it turns out that they both end up having a certain amount of falls, and it being uh, a triple threat match between the you know Eddie, Davey, and Roderick, probably at the Eye pay per view, or I guess at Final Battle, whenever. And I just don't think that's the way to go. But that's the only reason I think they would actually have done it. It makes no sense to me otherwise. But as for Davey Richards, um, I don't blame him for not being on this show because, you know, he seems like a guy who wants to go out and broaden his horizons and do everything, you know, that he possibly can while he can wrestle. So I can't fault him for that. But I think it's a huge mistake for Ring of Honor not to have your, your world champion at as many shows as he possibly can. And if he's making shows that are in, you know, the the area, in a a good drive, you know, six, eight hours away, that he can make it to to a New York City show if you pay him. And if he's your world champion and you, you release it on your website that he signed his contract, why is he not at these shows? And if he's going to be gone for the rest of the year, minus television tapings and then Final Battle, I just think that is such a huge mistake because you, you want to have this guy be your champion and show that he's taking on all comers, and the only time he's going to be around is when he's facing Roderick or Eddie. And that's that's nothing. You're leaving your main event team to three guys, and when Davey's not around, you're just going to be throwing Eddie and Roddy at, at, against each other or in random matches. And without Hero and Claudio, apparently, um, the top of their card is very thin. And it's time for them to expand their roster or move new talent up if they're going to, you know, regard Davey as, you know, a freelance wrestler, really. To me,
1: more than anything, having Hero and Claudio not be on the show is, like, the biggest mishap of them all, honestly. I mean, because they really are gone. I mean, granted, uh, they didn't exactly do anything with Tyler when he left. I mean, although I thought that ending for him was appropriate. I mean, considering his character, it's like considering how much of a focal point Hero and Claudio have been over the uh, last year and a half, I guess you could say. I mean, just because of how influential they've been on the tag scene and just the match quality of Ring of Honor in general. Not having them uh, at the least have like a one-on-one match in similar fashion to uh, Nigel and Daniel send Glory by Honor two years ago is just completely mind-blowing to me more than anything, especially with uh, how uh, thin this card is. How do you not give them at
0: least a farewell? Like, and it doesn't have to be on TV. You know, you record it afterwards and you put it on DVD later.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just completely, I really just don't understand it more than anything. And then I completely uh, agree regarding uh, Davey, especially considering the fact that um, at this point he's been champion for almost three months and it seems like he's done nothing at all. I mean, granted his first... His first title defense is uh, going to be airing uh, relatively soon on TV, but it's just like, I mean, he's been champion, and uh, it feels like they've done nothing with it. And, Mark, we've discussed this. With the Kings, if you're going to have, okay, say this was
0: they knew this was going to be their final chance they were going to have to book them in Chicago regions. From all indications, it will be. Why would you do Haas and Benjamin? And, I mean, I would have favored Easily, Anx or O'Reilly and Cole. I think Anx putting over Anx would have been my first choice. O'Reilly and Cole would have been my second choice. Uh, is it a matter of uh, you know, Kings are moving on. They're going to be on TV. Maybe by the time that match airs, Haas and Benjamin will look better because they just beat the Kings. These newly acquired WWE guys now on television, or was it just uh, because they're lazy? You know,
3: honestly, it, it, I think the easy way out to say is that they're lazy. I, I I don't know, because like, I don't follow Chakara as much, but I don't know if it was really like, stated that Claudio's not going to be back. But if you look at PWG, uh, Hero and Claudio, they never really said goodbye. Right. Um, they didn't get to say goodbye in ROH. So it's kind of like every single place they've been, they just kind of disappeared. And, you know, I don't want to say that that indicates that when they come to WWE, it's going to be a surprise, so they just kind of cut ties. But, if that's the way, then I completely understand if they were, you know, Bing of Honor was forced. But if they had a chance to book them better at television, which they did, uh, they blew it by just saying, oh, let's put them against uh, Benjamin and Hoff again to, to establish that they're, they're the greatest tag team in the world. They beat the guys who are going to be on television in, on another company. But, you know, it, for them not to get a good buy, they've meant a lot to the company. And Hero's meant so much to the company since he's been there. I mean, he reinvented himself, and he was that guy that they, they don't have now. And you know, Cuauhtemoc was up and down, and you know, even I, I wasn't too sure about him for a while. But like, he reinvented himself as well, and then coming back together was great for their careers. And it's evident now that Ring of Honor hurts without them there. But you know, if, if they had to go, they had to go, but. You know, television, there's no excuse. They, they should have either played, like you said, uh, All Night Express or, or Col and a
1: I do sort of feel, I mean, to counterpoint that, I mean, with the TV taping in general, I know a lot of people were very harsh on it, like the way that the TV taping was handled. But it's uh, the TV taping that they did is sort of one of those things to, I suppose, attempt to introduce people to the product and by them doing World's Greatest Tag Team, the Kings of Wrestling, well, to all of those who are completely familiar with the ROH product, it's certainly a match that no one really wants to see, but uh, to anyone who is not too familiar with the ROH product, which is the idea that they have going uh, in the future, it's one of those matches that's sort of like, you know, oh, uh, I've heard that they've had great matches, let me check this out, granted, uh. Obviously, uh, Kings of Wrestling won't be back for another rematch, but uh, it's one of those things to uh, attempt to attract viewers, I suppose. To just like, I think that's like the type of mindset that they had going with it, which is also why they did uh, Davy and Roderick, because they've always had good matches, and then uh, why they p- even put the TV title on Lethal because Lethal's a familiar face to uh, anyone who's at least paid attention to televised wrestling with TNA. On the lethal point, though,
3: it, you have Benjamin and Haas who were with, you know, Kurt Angle in WWE. And, you know, these guys are supposed to be, you know, uh, the greatest tag team that WWE forgot. And if you want to make a namesake off them, you're, you're trying to make a namesake off a team that has a chance to be something in WWE that, that could get fired in three months because it doesn't work out. Or you have this team that is already established, and you hope is bringing new viewers anyway, it kind of kind of is like, a, you know, you go back and forth with it. Like, do you have faith in Hassan Benjamin to to bring new viewers, or you think that you need to have Hero and Claudio against them for people to care about them? You know, that's what I, I'm just playing devil's advocate, really, but, you know, nobody knows what they think. But I would think that they assume that, you know, Claudio and Hero are a draw, but they have to think that maybe their tag team champion should be a bigger draw than them.
1: Right. I mean, um, like if anything, it's just like um, the mentality that I brought up. I mean, it's one of those things that I would more understand if they actually did plan on at least giving them a farewell show to the people that are familiar with them. And then, you know, having that introduction to those that aren't, but I mean, considering that they clearly are not having a farewell for them, it's just, uh, like I just can't really understand it. It's all pain to uh, coin a phrase. I mean, TNA booking.
0: To move on, the um, the tag team champions will be in special challenge matches. And when they initially announced this, they had the first two matches, which we've already talked about, already announced. And I was actually quite excited because, and I guess, one of the matches that was largely kind of agreed upon among like the group of people that I talked to was Charlie Haas and Michael Elgin. And, they posted the article on the site, and that was the first match that was announced or confirmed: Charlie Hoffman, and Michael Elgin. And then we're like, okay, so they're going to do they're going to do Shelton Benjamin and El Generico or you know, O'Reilly or Cole, before they announced the triple uh, the three way elimination, which we'll talk about. Um, and they it was Shelton Benjamin against the Prodigy, Mike Bennett, and uh, there was a collective groan from the entire uh, wrestling community, or at least the ROH res- internet wrestling community. Uh, what do you make of these matches? Uh, I guess, Mark, go ahead.
3: Yeah, I I touched on it before, but, uh, the only, I I think Haas and Elgin, if it gets enough time and Elgin gets enough time to really just, uh, you know, show how strong he really is with Haas. And, you know, Haas is a hard hitter. I, I love his match with Davey. I think when he can go out there and just be himself and, you know, he's not in a tag situation, he could really just, you know, put over a guy, even if he has to win. I, I think that match is something I would, you know, seek out to watch. Um, Benjamin and Bennett is, it's, you know, if you put it in another venue where it would be in another town, you know, Collinsville or something like that, you can get away with it as your show opener or something like that. But this is going to be a show in New York City that it, it, if something goes wrong and Benjamin, you know, has a blow up or, you know, I, don't, I think Bennett is solid enough that this match will be fine and everybody may be a little bit more of it than it is. But if something goes wrong, they're both going to eat, you know, they're going to eat shit, pardon my French. They, they really are. They they, they won't live it down, and that could ruin, you know, whatever, whatever tag ring that uh, Haas and Benjamin have if Benjamin gets that stigma that, you know, he's a loose cannon. You don't know what you're going to get from him, and I think Bennett is fine. I think he's just going to go out there and be himself, and, you know, he's nothing special, and if, as long as Benjamin stays in check, I think it'll be okay, but... It's not a match that anybody wants to see. Nobody has ever said they wanted to see those two walk up, ever.
0: And Benjamin and Haas, you know, we've talked about their woes. And I give, actually, ROH credit in the sense that I think if they would have thrown any two other guys against them in these singles matches, then they would have gotten, you know, a, a good response or – they will get a good response here as opposed to anybody else they probably would have gotten turned on. Having said that, JP, I think they've given New York City a real opportunity to really just completely crap all over Bennett and Benjamin. And I think it's a good opportunity for for them to send a message because, like, I understand why they're booking this match, but I just really don't see it being appropriate at all.
1: I really do fully agree, especially considering the fact that, um, And for those of you that don't remember, I mean, this is just a fun little storyline fact. Does anyone else besides me remember the fact that Mike Bennett did vow at the beginning of this year that he was going to win the ROH, ROH title by the end of the year?
0: And he did address that. He actually put out a PSA announcement over the weekend saying, don't forget, I made a vow that I'm going to be a champion by the end of 2011, and I'm going to
1: stick to that.
0: So we'll see what happens.
1: So it's like, if you're going to do that, I mean, since clearly Sheldon can't win, why not, you know, have some type of, you know, I hate to reference a four-corner survival, but, you know, four-corner survival (laughs) involving Jay Lethal to at least tease that possibility of him winning a title. Well, considering the filler that Jay Lethal is in, I would definitely be uh, for that. (laughs) I mean, considering that as well, I mean, just like, I know probably the most clamored-for match out of Sheldon would have been El Generico. I mean, granted, I suppose you don't want to have him lose again to Sheldon because, you know, uh, he's just fresh off his uh, title loss, and they probably should try to start moving him towards the main event picture again. At least I would, if I were them. But um, Haas and Elgin, I mean, they should have a good-worked match. The only thing that I sort of dread... Ford is just a, uh, a to again use a coined phrase, a Chicago Ridge type response, A.K.A. no response at all. Because, well, a typical you know, Elgin response match,
0: unfortunately. Yeah,
1: essentially, and even a typical Haas response match, just because sure. both of them are vic- are victims of, uh, you know, uh, just one of those things that I always point out about many guys on the independent scene that just don't really have that real connection with the audience, despite the fact that both of them are certainly very good workers, but um, I mean, I at least do say that I do have more hope for that match than I do uh, Benjamin and Bennett. I mean, uh, uh, Mark really did put it well in just saying that uh, Bennett's like a decent enough worker, and I do feel that he honestly gives a lot more slack than he probably deserves from the majority of the ROH faithful but it's just really a match that I have absolutely zero interest in. But uh, on the point that you made about um, them, uh, the crowd potentially voicing up an opinion of sorts, I mean, I just almost wonder if uh, that uh, New York crowd will even uh, still be there in a sense uh, to voice that opinion because it's like, um, you know, ever since Tyler and Aries, I mean, there really hasn't been, uh, I guess, a big opportunity for those fans, I mean, to, I guess, come back out and voice your opinion. You know, and I've always
3: talked about Well, yeah, that's absolutely true. But, you know, like, uh, I I thought for Manhattan Mayhem, if it wasn't a matinee show, that it could have been that moment that, you know, looking back, not not now because they took the belt off Eddie. But I thought everything was fresh, everything was moving. But, you know, there, there really hasn't been... Tyler and Aries, and that, that's, you know, so long ago now that, you know, people some of the new fans don't, may not even have seen that match, but um, you know, with Elgin, again, one of the strongest places that he gets over is New York City, and when you talk about the fan reaction, uh, you know, Haas and Benjamin, every time they show up in New York City, they get less and less cheers, and it's always they're getting, you know, when they were in the 14 tag team match, you know, they had All Night Express, Kings are and the Briscoes and they, they were the last team that got the, the least amount of pop and nobody cared about them. And if you get Elgin in there and he starts hitting these moves on Ha and Toss is just going through his offense or whatever. And then you see Bennett outworking Benjamin that that could be like it. That's it. If you want to do that final battle, like if you have the Briscoes against or, you know, whatever you're going to do it, if it's going to be at the eye pay-per-view you have the Briscoes who you're trying to push as your top hero tag team, and they're going to be getting cheered against a team that is just so stale and it's just so counterproductive at this point that like there's nothing they can do now. They, they put them in too many matches, uh, too fast,
0: and they became regular members of the roster, and you couldn't have done it with them. They, they got exposed. And, you know, your typical coordinate promo always indicates that the ROH faithful, well, the ROH crowds will tell you what they want. Do you really feel like, JP, that that crowd is still there? So even, even, if, even if it is in New York City and you do have a match like Shelton Benjamin and Mike Bennett, is the crowd going to be there to give that response or anywhere for yeah. that?
1: Well, that's like really the whole thing It's just like, because I've heard more and more just about, uh, I mean, really ever since Tyler and Aries, just how um, crowds for them have gotten into a bit more of a uh, – WWE fan style mentality where they just sort of cheer everything I suppose that's put in front of them I mean because long. I mean uh it's been a while since you've ever had an incident similar to I suppose you could say the Twinkies incident of uh or even uh back in Manassas Virginia with uh, the Snapmare like you never really hear that sort of type of thing like with the crowds anymore and I just don't really necessarily feel that they might be as vocal as they have been in the past. I mean, um, you know, it, it very well could be a possibility. I mean, but I mean, I'm just sort of un- uncertain regarding it. Another match that's really piquing the interest of many, Jay Lethal, who was a
0: last-minute replace, or I guess he was a last-minute addition to the card. They, I'm like, okay, so I think they had a majority of the card announced by then, and they're like, all right, maybe we'll get a good Jay Lethal singles match to add to this card, and they throw him in there with homici- with Homicide against... Uh, tomato chompa and rhino of the embassy uh mark or what do you have to say about this uh i just thought that you
3: called him tomato uh but yeah th- th- this match is a complete complete joke it- it's just a typical throw everything against the wall and see what sticks match and you'll have homicide lethal going over and I-, I hope this doesn't mean that homicide is back full time that's all i i, I don't want homicide back full time um I just hope the match goes on for ten minutes, and that's it. but
1: well, he
0: was backstage at a homicide, so if we're lucky, maybe yeah. he'll find his way back there.
1: Well, well, he was only in the area because he got the team with Fernandez and Savio Vega on Saturday the show that I went to <laughs> <laughs> certainly, if that was Mexican America, it would probably be far more enjoyable, <laughs> but uh i. I I didn't mean to stir off topic there, but, I mean, this match is at least uh, different. I'll say that much. You know, it's uh, not the same thing over and over again. You know, like, uh, every other match has seemed to be in Ring of Honor as of late, I suppose. And then Yeah, more for that, too. You know, if you have, like, uh, you you keep
3: Rhino and Jay Lethal as, you know, guys who are going to be regularly around, and you could switch it up. But, you know, Homicide, if he's in a tag... It's fine but there's no devoted tag team partner for him. If he's in the singles, you know he's got to be at the top because you know he's an ROH legend. He he like Daniel, he'd have to be at the top of the card all the time just because he's that guy who was you know around back in the day. And it, it, you know if he's around once in a while, that's fine just to switch it up. In but they're doing it in the the lowest part of the card where nothing matters, and you know that doesn't do anything. They they need to switch it up higher up and then things will be different, you know?
1: Right. I mean, uh, I do at least like the fact that they, uh, with this tag match, I mean, uh, as opposed to just feeling just like, I mean,
2: uh,
3: I mean, at
1: least to me, as opposed to feeling just a random match they are throwing out there. I do like the fact that they are referencing how, uh, Lethal and Homicide were once long enemies dating back to Lethal's feud with Loki now six years ago. So that at least has me somewhat interested in seeing just how the match goes. And two of the more interesting probably
0: matches on the card, the entire card, Uh, we have the three-way tag team elimination uh, match with the Young Bucks, Future Shock, and the Brabados and what was initially El Generico and Steve Carino has now been changed to El Generico and Jimmy Jacobs, which is actually a match that I do not recall ever happening, although I'm sure they have crossed paths at some point in a singles match. JP, are, what do you think of these two?
1: Um, I definitely... I mean, the moment that the uh, Young Bucks got released from uh, TNA, uh, I said that whenever they do decide to run New York again, they are going to, in some capacity, do uh, Young Bucks and Future Shock again. I mean, uh, which is certainly a good thing to do. I mean, just for the fact that, although uh, their match at best in the world ended in bad fashion, by all accounts I heard. Otherwise, it was just all around a fun match on and the card. I mean, Mark, could uh, you? I mean, you were there. I mean, obviously, you could talk about that.
3: Yeah, I mean
1: that match, and uh, I haven't
3: checked it out on you know DVD yet or anything like that. But I, I from you know watching that, as soon as I saw it, you know you kind of knew that it wasn't going to end in, in a straight fashion when you saw these guys were going all out and just like hitting things out of nowhere. And the crowd was going absolutely apeshit for everything. And, right. you know, it, it kind of, you kind of knew that something was going to lead to something, you know, in the future. And then you had Matt Jackson, like tweeting about how like this weekend really opened my eyes or something like that. And you're like, well then it's obvious, you know, and he, I'm actually very excited for this match. You know, I don't think the the bravado should be included, but it's a good chance for them to work with guys at a fast-paced style and really, you know, prove themselves. If they can prove themselves in front of the crowd and get people latched on to their, you know, to their actual in-ring work, because, I mean, I think their characters are perfect. They're doing everything right otherwise, but they just need to improve their in-ring work, and then they can, you know, I have no problem with them being featured, but... I think this is the young bucks and future shock. You know, their showcase, and I- I'm very excited for this match uh, personally. And uh, as for uh, Jimmy Jacobs and uh, El Generico, I mean, I-, I I I'm very excited for it. I was very uh, I was looking forward to Steve Carino against Generico because I just thought that combination would be perfect and they would work well together. But know, uh, Jacobs and Generico, it's something fresh and. Uh, It's something I really want to check out. It's a match that should be featured later in the card and given a lot of time so that both guys can really shine. And I can't remember the last time, if ever, I've ever seen a match between the two one on one. And uh, this is Jacob's time to prove that he belongs to be on the early roster, which I think he does. So.
1: I actually just looked through, uh, you know, just a typical result page. I mean, I've faced off in plenty of tag matches, but uh, I cannot find a singles match on there. I mean, so, I mean, I also agree. I mean, Jacobs is just one of those guys that, I mean, at least when he was in the Gabe promotions, I just never really felt entirely into him, despite the fact that he was having good matches, usually. I mean, it's just sort of like one of those things where it was just like uh, with Christopher Daniels, when, as an example, when he was in Ring of Honor, and he, I was never entirely into him. But for some reason, when he's in TNA, I just get more into him. And I sort of feel that way with Jacobs when it comes to him being in Ring of Honor. It just sort of feels right for him in a sense. I mean, do you, I mean that's just my opinion, at least. But um, this is certainly going to be a... Uh, I suppose you could say a rejuvenation of him just to uh, show off what it is that he can do. And, you know, when you're in the ring with Generico, who is just all around one of the top wrestlers in the world right now, I mean, you you should have a great match. I mean, there is one particular concern that I do have over it, which I think you were getting to, Ben. Uh,
0: Yes, Kevin Steen, I assume.
1: Yep. Yes, Kevin Steen
0: has handed on a Twitter that he will be in attendance. He is looking for a ticket, although I hope by now he has found one. Um, I guess the question I was going to lay out to you guys, and I guess you can start, Mark, is is he going to get involved in this match? Uh, I assume there would be some sort of interaction, or maybe is there a more important role on this card for him?
3: Um, I've said at the last uh, pay-per-view that I really felt that Steam would be wasted if he came out with Carino and apologized, because I felt that the only way he should ever be let back is if it's through El Generico, but that kind of just you know, it got completely thrown upside down because he actually came out during, you know, Corino and Jacob's being in the ring. But, um, I think it's, it's too predictable. I think that you see Generico out there and you have Jacobs and you think, Oh, Steen's obviously going to insert himself. But I, I would really hope, and I, I don't know if it'll happen or whatever, you know, whatever the case is, but if Steen is coming back full time at the end of this angle or whatever, um, if he inserts himself into Eddie and Roddy and this match is, this, this show's already, you know, a, a, it's written off as being a run-of-the-mill show and Dean comes in and destroys both guys and, you know, he, he completely ruins what was going to be the number one contender's match and then you have baby come back at the television or whenever he's going to show up and he demands that Dean come back. I think that's the perfect way to get Kevin Steen involved in this show. Otherwise, I don't think it needs to happen. I, I don't think that he needs to insert himself into Generico's m- match because it's generico. Uh, as much as i like to see him versus Jacobs, it you know it doesn't really need to happen. Like you know, I think it's the long-term plan, and you know you never know what Steen's even actually going to show up. But it, I think he'd be wasted in the El Generico and Jimmy Jacobs match, which could be. You know, a fresh match. Meanwhile, Eddie and Roddy is something we've seen a ton of times, and actually could benefit from uh, the New York City crowd completely going nuts for Kevin Steen coming in and killing Ring of Honor, basically.
1: I 100% agree. Really, I mean that was actually the match that uh, I thought of. You know, as opposed uh, as well as opposed to Generico and Jacobs, like I had this whole like uh, as opposed to fantasy booking in my head, which could you know you know be a uh, sometimes it can be a bad thing when it comes to shows, but it's just like, you know, where I feel like Edwards should win the match, then out comes Steen, he leaves out Eddie, and it's just like, you know, oh, hey, look at me, I'm Kevin Steen, I'm at Ring of Honor, guess who isn't? Davy Richards. (laughs) And then he could even reference the fact that he just pinned Davy and was like, oh, hey, guess what, I just beat your ROH champion, too, and he's not even here to do anything about it. And, you know, could eventually build to... uh, steen's return match in a sense to the company and uh steen and davy which could in a sense be compared to like when hero debuted in ring of honor uh against uh danielson for the belt you know in terms of just that type of you know oh this is never supposed to happen sort of thing (laughs) i mean but um like it's just uh one of those things that i just feel would be much better suited especially for uh as mark already mentioned uh a match like Generico and Jacobs to get uh, all the time and attention that it deserves, whereas um, uh, Generico and Edwards is just one of those things. Oh, excuse me. Strong and Edwards is just sort of played out at this point.
0: Now, you will be in attendance for another show on that weekend, and we'll talk about that briefly. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, We were talking about Kevin Steen. uh, PWG, they had their most recent show this past weekend on the 10th, this past Saturday night, um, and they announced what many are calling, or at least as Mark defined, the real ladder war three on October 27 at Steve Wolf, when Kevin Steen will defend the PWG Championship against El Generico. Uh, not to mention, also announced for that card is Chuck Taylor and Ricochet. Also, Davey Richards is going to be on the card, and the PWG debut of Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. So. PWG's made a statement that they're going to start bringing in a lot of new guys as well. Um, they had this la- this real lad of war three on top. Mark, talk about I guess PWG in general right now, and I guess how you feel about them. Yeah,
3: it. Yeah, well, for all the small things that I can com- complain about about PWG, I mean, every single card is delivers, and I mean, Generico and Steen, and I, I said it to you guys both off air, was that, you know, I am more excited about this match occurring across the country that I will not see live and I won't see until maybe December or even later and, and than I am about the upcoming ROHI pay-per-view. Just because it's a match that both guys are going to be able to go out there and do whatever they want. And as many, as many times I've seen Chuck Taylor and Ricochet, I know that match is going to be great because they're going to be given at least 15 minutes to just go out there and, and work. And, you know, I, Ben and I have really like as much as we possibly could lobbied for Adam Cole and Tyler O'Reilly to be in PWG. And then being there, I mean, I assume they'll face Rocknet sponsors, which will be a lot of fun. And I, I think they just, they know what their fans abroad, you know, want besides the fact that they don't announce shows far enough in advance for people on the East coast to attend. But that, that's another story. I, I think that they deliver and they're, they're, probably my favorite favorite wrestling company going right now, and uh, absolutely thrilled with uh, the announcements they've made so far, and I expect uh, a lot of new talent, and uh, that the current talent to
0: really impress. And JP, there's also going to be a notable return and a debut, if you want to briefly talk about that.
1: Oh, uh, uh, well, the debut would be Ray Rosas. I mean, I I am one of the Probably the bigger supporters of NWA Hollywood also known as essentially the other independent from California at this point, but uh, Ray Roses is actually one of those guys that I've actually uh, had like a uh, kept an eye on as far as like someone from NWA Hollywood who is rather untouched by basically every other independent promotion well he doesn't really have like a, a necessarily a flashy style that's common in the independent scene today i just feel that he's uh, all around like a very good uh heel which is something that is very uncommon in the independent scene today actually which uh could uh help uh i mean could help really freshen up the uh i suppose the character dynamic that uh i mean there's one thing i will say that against PWG, and I really never like talking anti-PWG considering I'm uh, I'm also a huge supporter of them. But um, the one thing they do lack, I suppose, is that character storyline development that I suppose that everyone else has, but, or everyone tries to have, but considering that they make up for it by having the absolute, in my opinion, best cards out there on the independent scene today, I think that's usually passable. But, um, I, well, actually, I would certainly say it's possible, but, um, Rosas is definitely one, uh, someone who I'm glad to see if there's, uh, any other NWA Hollywood talent, they should look into bringing in Famous B is one who comes to mind. He's like someone who's very, very flashy. I mean, he reminds me a bit of, a uh, a smaller Scorpio Sky mixed with a bit of LTP. Yeah, so.
0: and this actually leads right into the conversation we were having last night. And I wanted to ask you. Scorpio Sky is a guy that, you know, following the NWO he had a uh, best of seven or a best of five with Austin Aries uh, that really stood out to you. Uh, I feel that there's a huge upside to Scorpio Sky, especially comparing where he is now uh, as opposed, I guess, to maybe more of his, like, original pro wrestling role of return. He's really just on a completely another level.
1: Absolutely. I mean, he's uh, probably one of the more, I mean, underrated talents, I would mention, from... uh, the independent scene all around as far as, um, you know, just someone who doesn't really get the praise that he deserves. I mean, his, uh, offense is just always on point. I mean, he's just an all around great baby face. I mean, everything that he does just looks great. I mean, and I mean, he's someone who I wish ring of honor would take the opportunity to bring him and Joey Ryan and as a team just to, uh, you know, give another fresh, uh, team to a tag division, you know, which would be nice. I mean, on top of the fact that, you know, they could work as uh, heels, they could work as faces. I mean, obviously, with Joey Ryan there, they could uh, be much better suited as heels, in my opinion. But, um, you know, uh, I mean, I'm definitely a big Scorpio Sky fan and would definitely like to see him get more opportunities.
0: And you mentioned those guys coming into Ring of Honor, and Ring of Honor actually announced some additional talents to the Louisville TV tapings, which got me very excited at the prospect that many of these guys will be around. They did announce the Young Bucks. I think we've all assumed that they're going to be regulars from here on out. But the three notable guys, at least for me, um, were well, one more being in a tag team, but Caprice Coleman was Cedric Alexander, and TJP was announced for the TV taping. So hopefully, Mark, this will be a thing uh, or something of you know to come with uh, these guys being using. I think those five guys, if they were like, if they had the regular roster with Jay Lethal, that would like, like that would really solve a lot of problems. I still think they need like a main event guy. I think they could push somebody like TJP to that level. Barring he's actually on all the shows. But uh, yeah, I think those five, those core five guys, plus Jay Lethal on every show does tremendous, uh, you know, for, for those shows and those rosters. And, you know, obviously freshening it, freshening everything up, I guess. Absolutely, like you you, have, you you could put TJP
3: into the main event scene because he will have great matches with those guys no matter what. I mean, I, I think I, I don't know where I heard it, but people call him the youngest veteran. I mean, the guy's wrestled for like 10 years already. He's like 26 years old or whatever. I mean, he's great, and it, it's it's a shame that he doesn't get booked regularly with Ring of Honor, and I really hope he does. But uh, if he's on television, you have to assume that moving forward they're going to widen the roster, and uh, it's something I've been thinking about a whole lot. Is that they had this exclusive list of guys that they use for every show, and it was just rotating them in and out of spaces. But so when you widen it up, you can at least, you know, your chances of doing something new and fresh are just so much better. When you have, a, you just bring in local guys, or you bring in guys who the fans want to see. And you had it when you announced the young bucks and, you know, Caprice Coleman, and it's like one of those things that the fans can latch onto that, you know, people who follow them forever and they know that they can put on good matches. And TJP is one of those guys that, uh, he, he he constantly impresses If You know, it's yet to be seen if he can work over 15 minutes, but
0: that's, that's again, another story. And we've been very positive about Pete TJP on this podcast, but, uh, I guess moving forward, J.P., you're not only going to be in attendance for Death to 49 this weekend in Manhattan, but also making their Manhattan debut you will be Shakara as they present Marty. Caution, uh, yourself to caution, I should say. Um, so I guess talk about a little bit about this card. And
1: um, I will say um, uh, one thing that did sort of uh, strike me a little off point, I suppose, was the fact that um, this show sort of seems to go a bit under the radar in my opinion, in terms of upcoming shows and Chikara's schedule right now, because, like, the next double shot that you will be at, Ben, actually, you're getting uh, Kena, uh I believe, who's, I mean, who's now, as of today, booked uh, on the Kingsport, uh, Kingsport show to face Sarah Del Rey, which uh, I'm certain you are not excited for at all. <laughs> oh,
0: absolutely not. No, but... Uh, you know, and I, we talked about it off the air that, you know, I expect Shimmer to still book this match. And my mindset was that Shimmer will book it, but it's like, it's a match that you have to do because these these girls actually used to be roommates. Like, uh, I guess when Sarah Doe was in Japan or when she was the dojo, I think that makes sense. Um, but yes. So, I mean, I think if you have the opportunity to do this twice, then you should do it twice. So I was obviously very stoked to see this, uh this pairing and, uh, you know, insert, you know, backflips or shooting star presses off my house right now. I hopefully don't kill myself before the match in excitement. But, uh, yes, and, you know, you mentioned this car flying under the radar, you know, it's, I guess, kind of a month or a few weeks after the uh, Young Lions Cup. Um, And they kind of have a majority of these cars in that. Go ahead.
1: Oh, oh, I was just going to say, I mean, you know, when you're coming off all such a source wrecks which had uh Johnny Saint and Johnny Kidd wrestling on them and then on and within the next uh couple of months or so you have their debut I pay per view. So it's just like, you know, this a uh, huge deal that's supposed to be their debut in New York. I mean I, well not the day de- well the debut in Manhattan, they ran Brooklyn, uh, but uh I mean, um, it just seems to be a little, uh, like I say, under the radar. But with that said, there's certainly a few matches on there that I feel uh, should be getting a ton of attention. I mean, uh, uh, Fist, uh, excuse me, not Fist. Oh, yes, Fist, Chuck Taylor and Johnny Gargano versus uh, Jigsaw and Quackenbush for the Campeones de Projeos, I feel should be a very awesome match. And I really don't, I mean, that's like one of those combinations that uh, right now would certainly be... uh, something really awesome to watch considering how much uh, like Gargano and Taylor have improved and I've always felt jigsaw is pretty underrated by most people and then quack and bush is quack and bush. And then you also have on there Sarah Del Rey and Ophidian, which is just like one of those combinations that is just certainly very intriguing. I mean that's one thing that I will say about this twelve large summit tournament. Well um, ever since they've started it it's taken a bit of downplay on, like, the storylines that Jakar is known for. Each match, at least, has been very intriguing in the sense that, you know, it's just like a different dynamic in every single match as opposed to just the same thing, similar to how uh, Battle for Glory series ended up going. <laughs> you know, that like, here you go. This is, a, this is how you do a tournament like this. Bound for Glory series is how you do not do a tournament like that. I mean, <laughs> just, you know, for... Uh, great examples. And then on top of the fact, you also have the Spectral Envoy and a Mystery Partner, which I know some, most assume to be delirious, and I do agree with that, but I do have to say if it's Hydra or Crossbones, I will be going wild for certain. And then also you have the Young Bucks versus Tim Donst and Tursus, which, I mean, just the type the Young Bucks are going to be trying to do their uh, typical flippy offense on Tursus is just something that I know I will actually be very entertained by. I mean, it's a a very fun card. I mean, it's certainly, uh, for those of you that could have the opportunity to attend both the shows in New York like I am, it's certainly a very different show to attend after coming off of the Ring of Honor pay-per-view the day before.
0: Yeah, and this uh, this 12 large summit, you know, Sarah Del Rey has just been, like, she's been consistently used everywhere now for what feels like years and years and years, and it has been years, Um, but she's never really had, like, this consistent of singles matches against just totally random opponents. And I mean, obviously I'm a huge Sarah Del Rey fan and most people are, but all her matches just stick out tremendously to me. And like, I went out of my way to watch all of her 12 large summit matches that have come out on DVD so far, even though I haven't watched, you know, the rest of the shows and I'm usually a completist in that sense. So that's pretty surprising.
1: Right. I mean, and, uh, you know, obviously, um, uh, I, Really, I mean, uh, all the people commend uh, PWG for all their uh, uh, great cards that they put together. I mean, but really, to me, Shakara is right up there at the very least at number two. I mean, just in the sense that, you know, well, again, I've mentioned how storyline-wise they've been taking a second fiddle to this 12-large well, tournament, I really do feel that once uh, high noon, the iPay-per-view happens and they crown their first champion, they'll come into uh, the following season with a blazing fire, I suppose you could say, and just uh, ke- uh, keep their hot run that they've uh, garnered just uh, going forward, I mean, coming going into the next season. How do you feel about Joshi Bainey? Do you think it's too much... I do feel it's at least a uh, cool attraction. You know, I mean, uh, I know I personally, like, if I could go, I would just simply based on the fact that Asia Kong is going to be there. I mean, that's (laughs) that's really, really cool to me more than anything. On top of the fact that actually, if you did go, I mean, uh, because with me, whenever I do travel for shows, I always like to make sure I at least get to two or three if I can. I mean, since... uh, not only could you possibly get to those three Joshi shows, but then you could also get to Cage of Death if you wanted to, which would be just uh, an all-around fun weekend, I believe. I mean, I believe that's running the same weekend. I could be wrong. I
0: am not sure, yeah. but it's a reasonably loaded weekend. Uh, this coming weekend, as we will have, as we noted, Death Report of Dishonor night on iPay-Per-View and Ch- uh, Chikar, which will also be in Brockton uh, on Saturday night against Death Before Dishonor, but uh, not on iPay-Per-View. And then Manhattan the following day, Uh, Before we close up, Mark, you need to tell us how your quest to selling 250 tickets for your local independent and where exactly you have decided to run said events.
3: Well, honestly, Ben, I'm waiting to hear back from uh, WWN Live to see how their Internet connection is. You know, just before I decide where I'm going to run this venue, uh, I'm not very sure yet, but uh, I definitely have... uh, Akira Gazala booked for it. That's all I can say so far.
1: Uh, JP? Uh, I'm just going to say, make sure to not run Crystal River if you do choose a market. <laughs> I think a
3: Raleigh or Chicago Ridge is the double shot. That's what I was thinking. The
1: ultimate yeah, that, <laughs> that definitely seems like the premier mar- places to go to, for sure. JP, before we wrap up, do you have anything else for us? Um... I really cannot think of much offhand truthfully. I mean, uh just uh <laughs> if you're if you're uh if you're nostalgic, make sure to check out Impact on Thursday for your Sting and Rick Flair match, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing that I could think of offhand. I mean, uh, and then, you know, that's unfortunately the main thing that I could think of. Mark, <laughs> you have anything for us? Uh,
3: nothing newsworthy. Uh, I just want to give a shout out and I hate to do it, but, uh, to my friend Dave, uh, who runs marking out There's a podcast. He, he constantly plugs for admission and, uh, yeah, they do a good job over there. They're constantly releasing podcasts. It's at marking out, no G, uh, just check them out. They're, they're good guys. And, uh, they're passionate about wrestling. Yeah. And that's, I on probably
1: shouldn't give a shout out on that note. I am to actually, uh, one of the more, infamous names that actually should be mentioned on this podcast in Floyd. Here comes the money. <laughs> that is all. Oh, oh. <laughs> Here comes the money. Money, money. Hi, Dad. <laughs> and
0: that, that really caught me on by. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. JP, Mark, thanks so much for joining me. Visit us at freeadmissionfr.com or on iTunes. Also follow us on Twitter at freeadmissionfr.com Expect a show with J.P. and the returning Jacob Cohen discussing this weekend's events, both so ROH and Car, which they will, again, be in attendance for. Also be on the lookout for a special Jeff Peterson Cup tribute show with the debut of some new faces uh, and the return of some old. All that and more coming soon. Thanks everyone again for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.